Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything that you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that's going to effortless unite your in-person and online sales into just one source of truth. You're going to be able to track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. You could connect with customers inline and online. And Shopify, it's going to help you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns. So we're talking about TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or you can use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for battle tested solutions. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. I say do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash headspace. That's all lowercase. So you're going to go to shopify.com slash headspace to take your retail business to the next level today. I'm going to say it one more time. Shopify.com slash headspace. Hi, folks. Robin here. And I am just letting you know that we are on a little headspace vacation at the moment. Don't worry. We are not leaving you. Instead, we are sharing a few of our favorite episodes. And we will be back on Tuesday, September 12th, kicking things off with a back to school mindful parenting episode. Have you ever wished you had a wise meditation teacher on speed dial? Someone you can call after a long day. Someone you could lean on for their advice. Someone to listen and help you to see things differently. Welcome to Dear Headspace. Ooh, it's that time again. It is time for another episode of Dear Headspace, a podcast where I sit down with one of our fabulous meditation teachers, and we answer your questions. We talk about life and love and everything in between. I'm Robin Hopkins, and in this episode, I'm going to be stirring up some trouble with my brilliant pal, Rosie. Hey, Robin. How are you? I've missed you. I know. Me too. I feel like it's been too long since you've been in the in the Headspace teacher rotation. Yeah, it feels like it's been a long while, but it also feels like it hasn't been any while at all. Well, listen, I've got to be honest with you. I, I'm, I'm so excited to be here with you. But in a matter of days, I'm heading to a vacation. I'm, I'm talking sun. I'm talking rum punch. But what, what, what's on the horizon for you that you're looking forward to, Rosie? Uh, I have to say I'm also taking a beach sun palm tree <gasps> trip soon. Ooh. I have a little bit of a writing deadline. And so I figured the best way for me to finish it is to take take a little time, you know? Uh, okay, Rosie. Well, I think we have some amazing questions from our listeners that we are featuring today. 
And they are good, Rosie. I am telling okay. you. I'm excited. We have a question about letting go of wants and desires, but still having that fuel to go after your dreams. We've got questions about managing conflict in romantic relationships and dealing with extreme PMS. Woo! We're going on a ride here, Rosie. Let's buckle up. Here's our first question from April. Hello, I'm April from Savannah. And my question is, Headspace teaches us to let go of our wants, and that's how to find peace. But my wants, my desires, my goals are what fuel me and make me feel alive and make me feel like I have something to fight for. And I do not know how to balance these two. Do you have any advice? This is such a good question, right? This is one of my biggest struggles in life. So I'm going to make you go first, Rosie. Yeah. I don't know that I fully, and here I go being controversial again. I love it. I don't know that I fully agree with the letting go of the wants necessarily. I, I would say to me, it would make more sense to let go of the expectation not necessarily the want. I think for us to let go of the wanting can be unmotivating and can be a little bit disappointing. I think our desire to say, accomplish a goal or to have some part of our life, some dream be met is part of what fuels us. It's exciting. It it creates an interest. It's part of what compels us to move forward every day. I think where we can get a little bit tripped up is when we have a deep want for a certain result or a certain outcome. And when we don't get it, then we're disappointed, right? It's the difference between I want to be in a relationship. I want to have enough resources to travel whenever I want you know, those kinds of wants and desires, I think, are reasonable. And they're part of just our human existence of what our mind thinks will fulfill us, right? Find fulfillment. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, necessarily. I think if I have an expectation that once I achieve that want, I'm going to be all of a sudden happy, or it's going to somehow fulfill me internally, I think that's where the issue comes in because when that thing does happen and you still don't have that fulfillment, we can get in trouble, right? We go into the downward spiral of, well, maybe this isn't meant for me. I'm not good enough. Or somehow you have a deficit. Yeah. And I think this is where the tools of mindfulness really come into play because we can release the expectation, which I think is one of the most difficult things that we have to do in this lifetime. I think letting go of expectation is right up there with, you know, being less reactive or, you know, it's just, it's such a, it's such a hard feat to get to. It really is. It really is. This is, it's so funny because it's like, this is exactly what I think about all the time because it's like I've chosen a career path, you know, where it's not up to me whether I get to do it in a lot of respects. You know, it's like you have to audition, you have to submit, 
your work and hope somebody likes it enough and you have to do the work ahead of time. And because of that, I always end up in this place of thinking, well, as soon as I get that milestone, then then it'll be good. And then I get that milestone and then I'm like, oh, no, but now I got to get that. When I get that, then I'll be good. And then Mm -hmm. I'll be, and it's like the reality is, it's like, I'm never going to ever have that sense of security in a, in a, a career in the performing arts industry. It is not happening. And you're right. Like what comes in right behind it are all kinds of feelings of worth and, and like, yeah. I'm not good enough or I'm never going to make it or, and it, that's a really, it's a, it's a really hard place to be in. But, but I also agree with what you said. Like I need goals to be moving towards something to be, to, to like, I'm just a very goal oriented person, but like how to separate like, can maybe can you speak to that a bit about how to separate being goal-oriented and the expectation? Like, how, how do we do that? Yeah. I mean, I'll give you an example. I I talked about this during one of the episodes I recorded for Radio Headspace, where I talk about mm-hmm. being disappointed, how to deal with rejection. I'm in the middle of writing my second book, and I had a conversation with my agent who spoke to my publisher who said that they weren't interested currently. But I want to write another book. I love writing. I have a desire to create something new. And so if that fuels me, the desire for that want is fueling me, then I can just immerse myself in that. I can write every day and I can just continue on the path right? However, if my expectation is, okay, yeah, I'm going to get an X book so that I can, you know, do another book tour and I can, you know, get my advance, get another advance and just continue that pathway. My expectation now, I'm disappointed because my expectation was, of course, my publisher will want a second book, right? Because they wanted a first one. Why wouldn't they want a second one? Well, this is, as you know, Robin, a very multi-layered industry as is the entertainment industry. And it's not that simple. And so I had to divide the two. Of course, I was disappointed. Of course, I questioned my worth. Of course, I questioned maybe I wasn't a good writer. Maybe it was a fluke that they gave me a book deal in the first place. I wonder if they think I suck. Like, you know, all of those things. And so in order for me to pull out of that negative thought pattern, I had to remind myself of what the desire was, of what the want is. Yeah. So ask yourself why you want something. What is the reason behind why you want something? And what area of your life is it fulfilling? What role is this desire taking on your road to fulfillment and to happiness. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting because it's like that's what I've been trying to work with myself on lately is focusing on the process, you know, and when I'm not focusing on the process, even when I get the thing I like, it's not fun because I've already I've already gotten it and I'm thinking about the next thing. Yeah, I 100% agree. In April, I would say keep your wants, examine your expectations, and just keep moving forward. Yeah, because I think if you're a goal-oriented person, I, I don't know, can you give that up ever? I don't, you know, I, I just... Well, I mean, I love what you said about how we just move on to the next thing, rarely. The the people, the archetype that is super goal-oriented, 
that likes movement, that likes to constantly feel progress, rarely pauses for acknowledgement, self-compassion, and celebration. I mean, even where you are now, where I am now, where April is now, or where any of us are, anybody listening to this podcast, what are some of the greatest accomplishments that you've achieved and how often have you stopped to celebrate them? Oh, that's really powerful. Yeah. Well, good luck, April. And you know, keep us posted. Keep us posted on everything that that's going on for you. We would love to hear. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to know how that resonated with you or where you are on your journey. All right. Thank you, April. And let's move on to our second question. Here we go. Hello, everyone. My name is Marcella. I'm originally from Bulgaria and I'm currently living in Belgium. I, um, I'm reaching out today because I feel like I'm a little bit stuck in our relationship and, and how to move forward because we've been together for quite a few years now and um, we've been through, through many ups and downs. I, I think we've, we've really come a long way as, as partners and, and I do love my boyfriend a lot and I really appreciate everything he does and, and how much we've grown together. However, um, we do keep on having the same recurrent issue over and over again. Um, I think we are not as good at um, conflict management sometimes. For instance, I would communicate or explain how you know he said something or did something that made me feel in a certain way. And I don't always think that he is able to validate my feelings. He thinks that I'm the one that is always creating the problems in the first place when it comes to those things. And I don't really <laughs> agree with that. I think it's, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of on both ends, at least in, in my opinion. And I have tried to, you know, suggest that we go to couple therapy or couple counseling, but he's not really open to that. So, yeah, this is why I'm here today. <laughs> All right, that is a that's a big question. I mean, there's there's a lot in there about relationships, and I've I, you know been with my wife for twenty years. Those problems don't disappear. Like the 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 things that are different about who you are, those in some ways just get amplified. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is such a multi layered question. And Marcella, thank you so much for trusting us to try and provide some insight for you, some guidance in some way. I think the thing that sounds like is adding to the consistency of the conflict is the lack of listening that's happening. I think as humans, as people, we have this core desire to be seen, heard, and understood. And especially if we have a romantic or intimate relationship, we feel safe, we feel like we can express ourselves. And when there's conflict, if there isn't good communication, it can be a huge source of pain, I think. I've experienced yeah. that in same almost 20 years of being with my partner. The the biggest the biggest issues we've had in the relationship is when I'm not feeling heard or I'm not mm -hmm. feeling like my feelings are being acknowledged properly. And one of the ways that we have remedied that is to first things first, acknowledge the feelings that our other partners having. And notice how I'm not saying 
we're trying to fix the problem or we're trying to fix something because sometimes there's just conflict. There's two different people, two different personalities, two different upbringings, two different childhoods, two different temperaments. And it's very, (laughs) it can be very challenging to find the common ground. But I think a great way of finding that neutral space is to acknowledge each other's feelings right away. And so for Tori and I, one of the big things that I like to say, let's say he's having a reaction to something or we're having a consistent argument about a very specific situation like, why don't you put the dishes in the sink? Oh, it's the sponge in my house. It's the sponge. <laughs> just put it back in the thing. Just put it back in the, the caddy. That's just, all I'm just saying. Put it, put it back. I mean, right. Just it's got it a home. That's all you need to do, yeah. right? And then it's the back and forth, right? Yeah. He said his reasoning is if I put the dishes in the sink, especially our cups, I knock them over and inevitably they break. And my thing is they're on the counter. I will knock them over and they will break. Okay. So (laughs) impasse. Right. So both of us are concerned about the same thing, which is great. There's our common ground. Neither of us want our cups to break. So I think when we can acknowledge that we both have a desire to not break something, we can sort of move from there. Now, one of the things that I like to do whenever I'm in conflict with my partner is say, I can see that you're very upset or I can see that you're bothered by this or I can see that you're having very big feelings about this. How can I support you? Oh, that's good. Yeah, because then you're acknowledging your beloved's experience. And so perhaps for Marcella, one of the ways that she can communicate what's happening, again, I don't know what the conflict is. She's saying that there's a reoccurring issue going on. Yeah. So there's two things to help with the situation that have worked for me. The first thing is to acknowledge your partner's feelings. And now I'm not saying, oh, I asked you, now you ask me. Because then if your partner is not asking you back, it might be an issue, right? So don't think about that quite yet. Just think about, okay, I'm in a conflict. My partner's upset. This is how I can remedy the situation. I'm going to acknowledge their feelings and ask how I can be of service. Okay. Once that's done, then I don't really like to have arguments when I'm elevated. (laughs) That's my own personal thing because I get extremely elevated and very (laughs) emotional. And I oftentimes am not very mindful of my words. And yeah, just because you're loud doesn't mean you're right. And so I go to loud because that's my childhood experience. That's what is familiar to me. And so I walk away from the situation. And then the next thing that I do is I, I'm a, I love to write. I've talked about this ad nauseum, but I like to write the solution to the conflict in a perfect world. It's like, okay. Oh, that's good too. Yeah. We're upset right now. We're having a discussion. We're not seeing eye to eye in a perfect world. This is what would happen. Tori would say this, I would say this, and then we would not have an argument about this ever again because we acknowledge each other and so on, right? So it's almost like you give yourself the physiological and mental experience of 
resolving said conflict so that you know what that feels like. Because I think it's so important for us to feel resolution because so often we focus on the non-resolution portion of the conflict yeah, and we perpetuate that, right? That's what the mind wants to go pull into the filing cabinet of, and then last year you did this. And we love to do that because we love to perpetuate that feat, not love it. We don't love it. I'm not saying that. It's just the nature of the mind. The mind yeah. will always default to what's familiar. And if it's familiar for you to be in conflict and to go into the filing cabinet of what also is in alignment with this conflict, like last year, what you did or last week or what you did into. It's just perpetuating the elevated state. So I like to remove myself from the situation. I like to write a good resolution to the conflict. And then, you know, I talk to my partner and I ask them, acknowledge their feelings and I ask how I can be of service. That's fantastic. But I also want to give a shout out to couples therapy. Marcella did say that he isn't he isn't really that open to it. So right. what are your thoughts on that, Rosie? Is there a way? I mean, you don't want to strong arm someone into couples. No. I feel like for me, ultimatums have never worked, although I've absolutely no. tried them. Um, <laughs> so I think for us, what worked was I started going on my own with regard to the relationship. And I think him seeing how much it was actually helping our relationship, our intimacy, our ability to articulate our feelings was improving more. And so I I think for us, it was just a matter of finding the right person. And you know, I think finding somebody that you resonate with might not be the same as somebody that your partner resonates with. And so we had to collectively find somebody that he liked and that I also liked. And that's how we were able to do it. And it was a little bit rough in the beginning because he had never gone to therapy before in his life. I mean, I've been in therapy since I was 13 years old. (laughs) I'm like going to be 40, right? But, um, (laughs) you know, it's really hard to, to advocate for therapy when somebody's either not open, never had a good experience and so on. And so I would say to try something more like maybe doing watching, you know, a therapist on YouTube or or a work workbook or yeah, some workbook or or reading a book together, that was helpful for us as well. We were we were reading a a book about communication together even though again, it was mostly me leading the way and it's hard to not get resentful about you being the person that's always trying to make things better, but at the same time, it's like the other person might not have the same issues that you're having, right? Yeah. So it's really the onus is always on us to do the work, find the therapist, find the workbook, find the course, find the workshop and just see how it, how it resonates from there. Well, Marcella, I hope if anything what you heard through all of this is that we are here with you and and relationships their work, their work sometimes, but you know, get the help, have the conversations with your partner and really try to get to what's at the bottom of it. Cause I think that can help. Love that. Protect your dream home with American family insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home auto and life. 
American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. All right. So let's head into question number three from Emma. Hi, I'm Emma from London. My question is about um, dealing with PMS and how to be mindful when dealing with it. I have really bad PMS around my period. Um, It basically changes my whole personality. I'm usually quite a relaxed, patient person. Um, When I'm PMSing, I have zero patience. I really dislike people that I usually love. I think into my relationship and it really takes over my mind and I find it super hard to stay mindful in those moments. Uh, So if you have any advice, thanks. Oh, Emma. Oh, I feel so bad for Emma. And yeah. I, and believe me, I, I understand this because it feels like when you're in that space, it feels like an alien is inside you. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, Rosie, but I will feel like I'm being so mean right now and I can't stop myself. I don't want to stop myself. Like, and it's just, and it's a train. Yeah. Emma, I feel for you. I see you. I hear you. And I want to validate your experience. And I don't know that I really have a lot of advice for this (laughs) because I spend the other three weeks making up for what I said and did during the week. (laughs) And that's just the cycle. It's very challenging. And I feel like if you preemptively have a plan during those moments, I, I can't tell you that I have a very strategic plan, but I definitely let people know that I'm in the state of PMS <laughs> before like I even band. open my mouth. Yeah, before <laughs> I even say anything. I mean, TMI, but it's my PMS is right now. And I'll tell you how I found out because we have a guest in our house and it's almost like a a whack-a-mole trigger point everywhere. It's just everything bothers me. Papers have been put on my desk or the way that somebody moves around or the TV playing in the background while I'm trying to write on my computer. Just everything feels so visceral. (laughs) And I also feel like everything is a personal attack on me. (laughs) Oh my God, yes. (laughs) You know, and it's... I think the best way for me to mitigate those feelings is I find that I go outside more often. I go mm-hmm. for walks. Like I said, I alert the troops that <laughs> there is a potential ignition just waiting to be lit. And I think when you get to really know what your temperaments are, the things that really set you off. You, you sort of find a way to mitigate it. For me, it's always been something that's very elusive to navigate. I meditate. I practice mindfulness. I apologize when I say things that I don't mean. But there's sometimes, especially when we're in this state, it's it's very hard to navigate 
reactivity or, you know, not getting overly sensitive about something. And I think you just give yourself the space to have those experiences so long as you're not hurting and damaging other people's lives, you know? Well, because it's it's so out of our control and it's not like you can go take a pill. It's not like, I mean, but maybe there's some some management that can happen with your doctor that might be helpful. But like Rosie talked about walking, you could also be journaling. I think that you know, I've been speaking about how I'm doing the morning pages right now with the artist way and just the sitting and writing in the morning and getting the junk out of my head. That's really helpful for me. And I do start my day in a better space, even when I'm hormonal. So I think there are, you know, mindful techniques that you can use that would that would help some. Yeah, I, I love that, Robin. And, you know, it's interesting. This may be completely non sequitur, but I am the most creative during that time. Oh, that's I feel interesting. That dur- yeah. During that time, I find myself to be really creative. I get really great ideas during that time. And so I think for me, it works for me and my lifestyle. I try to isolate as much as I can just because I also want to give myself the space to have a physiological experience that is kind it's kind of out of my control. I can I can yeah. attempt to control my emotions and my reactivity, but it's like your body's going through something absolutely natural and it's totally okay. I mean like look, tips, going for walks, doing morning pages, doing a relaxing calming meditation. All of those tips are great to do during this time, but If I'm being honest with you, I think the best thing that you can do is to give yourself the space to have this natural cycle of experience, you know, just really take care of yourself. And if you're finding yourself highly triggered by people, don't go be around people, you know, like, yeah, try and work from home that week or try to minimize your conversations with people that are often triggering like a parent or something so that you don't have a moment. My partner and I, we live together. We have great communication during this time. I can say, hey, this is what's happening. I'm letting you know I'm very agitated at the moment. It's not you. You didn't do anything wrong. I'm just being very uh, agitated and that's probably how I'm going to be for a couple of days. And usually he gives me the space and it's really nice yeah. because he kind of leaves me alone. He sends me text messages instead of coming into my <laughs> office and it <laughs> totally works. He's like, is the coast clear? And it's like, yeah, you, you're fine. You know, or sometimes I might be like, do not talk to me for the next couple hours. And, you know, I don't know. That works. So I, I don't know. I think you also may just want to go see your OB or your or your general practitioner and and just see if there's anything, you know, there may be herbs that they can tell you to look into or some homeopathic options or, I you know, I'm not sure if hormones are an option, but like go see your physician and see if there is something that they might be able to recommend or suggest to actually treat the physical side of it because there very well may be some some help out there. Absolutely. And you're not alone. You know, half the planet is with you. So reach out to your friends who, you know, who understand you during that time, too. I think there's like a power in the sisterhood in those moments. Absolutely. 
Well, and good luck, Emma. I mean, it is just it's just not an easy path. And it's it's hard, especially when I do think that there are a lot of people out there who kind of don't fully understand it and maybe look down on it or just think you're overreacting or whatever. But rest assured, Rosie and I know what you're ta- what's, what's going yes. on for you. And we're with you. We see you, Emma. Good luck. You got this. All right, Rosie, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say it. You brought it today. Well done. That was some wonderful bits of advice and tips, and I had a blast chatting with you. Uh, I always have a blast chatting with you, Robin. And thank you to all the listeners who sent those questions in. I always love hearing from our members. Oh, I know. I know. Thank you to April, Marcella, and Emma for your questions. They were absolutely brilliant. And to anyone who has a question, you know that we would love to hear it. All you have to do is record your question at sayhi.chat slash dearheadspace. Follow the prompts. It's so easy. And if we use your question on the show, you're going to get three months free of Headspace. And that's a pretty amazing deal if you ask me. You can use it. You can share it with your loved ones, however you want to use the code. And one more thing, as you know, each week we like to leave you with an opportunity to pause and reflect on what you just heard here. It's time to transition from this moment to the next in your day. So as you listen to the sounds of a brook at a monastery in India, let your mind do whatever it wants to do. So till next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and be kind to each other. Dear Headspace is a Headspace Studios original podcast. It's produced by Robin Hopkins, Ash Jones, and Scott Sorensen. It's executive produced by Morgan Selzer, Sarah Cohn, Baron Farmer, and Danny Christamy. It's hosted and produced by Robin Hopkins, Kesanga Giscombe, Dora Kamau, Samantha Snowden, Eve Lewis Prieto, 
and Rosie Acosta. Post-production is by Dan Kroll. Music is by Scott Sorensen and Chris Merguia. And a special thanks to Colleen Lutz. 